Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. on a quiet little street called Sandy Coombe Road outside Twickenham and I'm here because I'm going to Sandy Coombe Lodge. Why is Sandy Coombe Lodge important? Because it was the home of that most famous of English painters, J.M.W. Turner. And what is so extraordinary is for the first time since Turner lived in this house 200 years ago, his paintings are back in his own domestic setting. The place where he and his father, old William, lived for 10 years. Now, these five oil paintings, these rare scenes of um, the Thames and Richmond and all the area around the house, they are going to be exhibited here for a very short time, just for a few months. And we are here for the opening, which is going to be taking place around that other British legend, Sir David Attenborough. I'm just across the river, yeah. yeah. But I was born very close to here. Were you? Yeah, yeah. But never actually set foot in No, well, it was part of suburbia, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was it was rendered, it was unidentifiable unless you were an art historian. Uh, and even they didn't seem to be making a fuss of it. Well, I know. Uh, but then such staggering restoration, taking down the, the side aisles by a, a whole yeah, level. So, and, and the detailing is absolutely stunning. And, it really uh, is. But also the care for the reproduction, for restoration, has been like this. I do. Recreation of the stone, the false stone, and so on, and, the, and, and also the archways, and, and of course, uh, Sir John Soane, Pitshanger Mansion. You know, they, he, they were great pals, and it may well be that Soane invent, um, designed some of this for Turner. I mean, he half hours eating, five miles, six yes, miles. Yes, five miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that they were, and well, actually, uh, Turner used to walk from here from his home in. So did his father. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Old William used to walk into his studio. But it's extraordinary, I think, in terms of how it's been um, brought back to life with this this sense. But the thing that's really missing for me is the view down to the Thames, because that would have been central, wouldn't it? Yeah, the money will clear it for you. Shall we? Let's get the bulldozer. Sure, if you make it appeal, you'll be irresistible. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it would have been so central to him. I mean, we, we uh, worked together on In Search of Arcadia, the BBC documentary. And in that, it was about Alexander Pope. It was about poetry. It was about bringing the Arcadian uh, re- idyll to the Thames, wasn't it? And, and Turner wanted a slice of that, you think? Well, I suppose so. And in as much as, as Soane was a great classical architect, uh, he was part of that of that particular revolution, really. Yes. And drawn to the water, because I know. You, I mean, you must you've seen the paintings, and in terms of his attraction to water, you've wanted to stay close to the water here as well. But he does that wonderful view down Richmond Hill, which he's so famous for. Um, what is it about this part of the river that's so special for artists? Well, it's Arcadia, as you well know. I mean, uh, and it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just Turner. It wasn't just Turner. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, uh, a Pope, uh, for example, and that was contemporary with Pope. So it was the whole view of Rus- the old recognition of Rus in Urbe, the, this, uh, the uh, landscape and nature within the town and living in harmony with the town on the banks of the Thames. And, the, and the, it wasn't just Turner who made the view from Richmond Hill fam- famous. Uh, I mean, it was it was a well-known view of the great place. I mean, Thompson's Seasons he was written up uh, up there by Richmond Park, and of course, it's nice to think that, that Richmond Park was there when Turner was there. I mean, you know, Richmond Park is 500 years old, if not more, uh, and so Turner would have certainly known that park and known that view, and it's something that those of us who live here uh, treasure the thought of. Yes, yes. Well, I'm glad you're a part of nature and city in one, Sir David. And in terms of the actual paintings, how did how are they here? Why are they here? It's actually a, um, a sort of project, um, a fund called the Ferryman Fund, which encourages the lending from the Tate to regional, small, large, medium, um, regional museums and so on. And we, we sort of tapped into that, got an award, and um, we've got the five paintings from Tate, which is absolutely fantastic, absolutely amazing. It must be a logistical <laughs> nightmare, though, because these are treasures, absolute treasures. Getting well, the national treasures, actually, totally. they are in themselves. They're part of the nation's collection. Um, they're not often seen because they are small, small-scale sketches in oil. Um, so it's great that we are able to showcase them on behalf of the nation, on behalf of Great Britain and so on. No, no, it's, it's wonderful to have them here. And we know that Turner, I mean, he's an artist, he came to the house in order to escape the hurly-burly of his own, if you've seen the movie Mr Turner, you know, that the day-to-day activity of a commercial artist, you know, the gallery that he had, the house, you know, the painting room and so on. He comes to Twickenham to look at the landscape, to be in the landscape, to be next to the river that he adored. Because mm, this um, is the Arcadian Thames. This, this is, is the Arcadian Thames. He was a great fan of Sir Joshua Reynolds, who lived nearby, um, Alexander Pope. You know, it's, it's, it's that connection to this, this area of the Thames. It's absolutely you know, sort of wonderful. But, but we know he almost certainly sketched when he was here, but we don't know the way he did any painting as such. Maybe this was the downtime. He didn't bring oil paints with him necessarily. Interesting. So he wasn't using it as, um, as a place to create his large canvases. That was all taking place in central London. His main, his main, now, you know, he could do little colour beginnings, as it were, certainly with watercolour. Oil's not so sure, because of course this is the period, this is a transition period of the kind of mobility of oil 
in tubes, for exactly. example. You know, you had the little pig's bladders, which we did in Mr. Turner, mm. which I worked on for two oh. and a half years. Um, we had the little pig's bladders that you pierce with a pin and then squeeze, and that pops the... Not so good if you're on, on the go. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I saw a thing recently, uh, I think it was the National Gallery, that, that showed... Oh, no, maybe it's the Wallace. The um, watercolour outdoor sketching palette of, of Turner, how he, he went out with his watercolours. And, of course, you know, one of the things that's so extraordinary about the paintings and about his work is that he is an outdoors painting, he wants to capture the sublime, he wants to capture the landscape, but that is presented with its own problems, isn't it? Exactly. Of being in the landscape with the materials. Yeah, and it's getting the mood of it as well, isn't it? It's about the colours, the, the effect, the light, the sublime, the light, the shade, but intensely the colours. I mean, I think we, we, I would say this, did it brilliantly in Mr Turner the movie, because the minute he walks in from some foreign tour, he drops his bag straight onto the, uh, and starts doing watercolour you know, sort of doing yellow is, of course, a great favourite colour of his. So, so it's, it is that. And we think he almost certainly did that here, but whether he did any oils, mm. you know, that's a bit messier. It's a bit of a messier. And, uh, and maybe because it's downtime for him, but he's still always on the go. He's one of those artists that's constantly thinking, constantly working, constantly thinking about the next canvas and so on. I mean, his productivity is incredible. When you, when you look back at his career, even from when, in his early 20s, he just never stops, does he? He doesn't really take much of a break. So he saw this house as a as a refuge I guess yeah but even so still <laughs> probably <laughs> still can't stop did a bit of partying did a few trips up and down the river with his mates you know did these lovely tours you know with his mates drinking parties and so on invited people back here for some you know some gin <laughs> whatever he was serving but you know ultimately he's always on the go always thinking uh, he is a you know he's a sort of workaholic yeah but he's he's a creative workaholic so he's hence there are tens of thousands of you know, all on canvases, but actually in the main, watercolours, colour beginnings, oil sketches like upstairs. So this exhibition really allows just a little glimpse of the sheer wealth of the Turner Bequest at, at Tate Britain. I'm a Ricky Pound, I'm the house director of Turner's House. And tell me then about why this is such an amazing coup. It's an amazing coup because Turner moved out in 1826 and he sold the property. Uh, and this is the first time in nearly 200 years that we've had original Turner oil paintings displayed at Turner House. That is so crazy. It's, it, it is absolutely crazy. Years. Nearly 200 years, as I say, yeah. So for us, it's a major event. Yeah. Uh, you know, the house has gone from being basically a wreck to being transformed into what it is today, a beautiful uh, Georgian house, and now we've got Turner paintings here for three months. And we really hope that this will be the first in a series of exhibitions where we will be able to host original Turner works of art. Because he was so prolific, there has to be works out there that could could spend a sojourn here in his Abs own home. You know, Absolutely. Well, I think it's estimated that Turner produced uh, over 30,000 works of art, yeah. from little sketches right to, you know, finished oil paintings. Uh, we've got these from the Tate. Hopefully we'll be able to go back uh, again and again and get more knock Turners from, <laughs> knock on the door, from the Tate to display. Yeah. And what's so special about these paintings Paintings. They are local scenes, localist scenes. Exactly, it's yeah. basically Turner on a boat on the River Thames, and there's something quite unique about these paintings as well. They're on mahogany, oh. they're not on canvas. Uh, canvas wouldn't have suited the boat, it would have been damp. They're on recycled mahogany. That's fascinating. It is absolutely fascinating. So, and the choice for that then, it was because of the conditions? That it would be for the conditions, and Turner, you know, if he could, would always try to get something quite cheap or free if he Yeah, could. yeah, he and was they, a known He was, absolutely. <laughs> and they would have been a lot more suitable for painting on a boat, uh, you know, going up and down the river than Gosh. canvas. 
Fascinating. You know, you know, this is why I love looking at artworks in this way. You know, we're, we're immersed in it right here now. We're Absolutely. in his home, in his space. But the idea of him sat on a boat on the River Thames, just down there. Absolutely. With these mahogany boards Absolutely. creating these scenes. Absolutely. And he, he, he produced about 18 of them. Uh, they're, not, they're not signed. They weren't ever intended for, you know, to be sold. They were him experimenting with colours, with the sky, with reflections in the, in, in the river. And he's, yeah, he's got this process in some of them, you'll notice, where he leaves the veneer as a background colour so he paints over them very skimpily and includes the actual mahogany in the composition of the painting. That's genius and again it sort of gives us an insight into Turner's working with materials and light and the idea that you know if he's got that beautiful mahogany coming through why not use it, utilise it in the images. And certainly we think we think uh, because Turner's an architect here as well, he's designed this house but there's very big overtones here of Sir John Soane and they were great friends. They were both Royal Academicians. You know, Turner is the Professor of Perspective. You've got so you know, of Architecture. And this idea of light is something that, you, that fills Turner's work. And it fills, obviously, the architecture of Sir John Soane with the, the skylights, with the coloured glass, so reflection, refraction. And so all of this comes together. And I think between them, because they're both fishermen as well, so they're going fishing together, they're spending time... Turner's going to, uh, to Pitt's Hangar before it was sold in 1810. So, you know, there's a lot that bond them together. Well, there are certain flashes of stone around the house, aren't there? Absolutely. Because spe- especially the light coming through the different... The yeah. coming through the ley light. And, I mean, this idea of collaboration. But but I also like this idea that the Arcadian Thames is pulling them together. The, the fishermen, the idea Absolutely. that fishing wasn't just catching fish. Absolutely. It was a philosophy. You sit by the riverbank, you share your thoughts on classicism. Absolutely. <laughs> And, you know, the, originally at the back of the house there were two pools as well because what they said to do, they'd go fishing, they'd catch fish, they'd bring them back alive and empty them into the pools. Then they'd have to catch them again. Amazing. So, and Soane was a well-known eel fisherman. Turner was a great fisherman as well. I did not know that. Absolutely, yeah. But, uh, you know, where else I suppose Soane would go out and get the most expensive fishing rod, Turner would, would use whatever was lying around. <laughs> Absolutely, and there's one there's one quite amusing story uh, uh, of uh, basically a couple of school children realised that they were bringing the fish back and putting them in the ponds. So they went out and caught a couple of pike. Well, of pike are very predatory, and they emptied them into the pond because they knew they would eat all the other fish. Oh, that's naughty! That's a really vicious trick. <laughs> Absolutely. But I do love this idea that, you know, the water, it's so close to this house. And absolutely. it would have been even closer, of course, because you, you would have been able to have seen down yes, to the river absolutely. originally. Is that right? I think what you have to realise is when Turner bought the land, there were no other houses around. And when he when he built it, and he bought, built it in two different parts, basically. He built the tower bit in 1810 and the wing buildings in 1813. His view, he would have been able to have seen so much around him. He would have been able to have seen the River Thames from upstairs. So that was part of it. And it's really only with the coming of the railway, when the, the land, of which was two acres, got sold off, that those review, those those views were restricted. Oh, that's, see, that's what I've been wondering. So it's with the railways, and, and so the land around it now, of course, it's built really close around. Absolutely. But one of the interesting things, of course, is the look of this house seems to have influenced the look of the houses that have popped up around it. 
it's certainly the most famous famous house in this row of houses. But Turner, you know, he would have had a 360-degree view. And one of the reasons he moved here, of course, you mentioned the Arcadian Thames, and he wanted to be seen as part of that. Turner also saw his paintings as quite poetic as well. And he often uh, basically put together poetic verses to go with the painting. He was well, the first. I was, I, I was reading about this, that um, in the Academy Exhibition, I think it was 1797, um, and he was one... He, it, the Academy allowed for the first time for inscriptions to go along with paintings. He was the only one that took it up, and he was the first to take it up. And he was the one that led the, the kind of the cause for poetry, sculpture, painting, Absolutely, all being part yeah, of this yeah. romantic sensation as well. Do you think of him as... Because this is something I toy with as well. Is he... Is he a classicist? Is he a romantic? Is he gothic? What's his I, temperament? Do you know what? I think he wants to be a bit of everything, yeah. to be quite honest. <laughs> you know, he imitates great artists and then he wants to better them. You, you know, he respects them whilst he's doing it, yeah, yeah. but he wants to be the best in every genre. It depends, you know, if it's history painting, you know, he wants to be number one. That's why he imitates the paintings of Claude. That's why, on, you know, he wants his own paintings in the National Gallery next to Claude's. So that you can go in there and say, that is a great painting by Claude, but look at this one by Turner, it's even better. And so he has respect for a lot of people, but he also has got this thing that he wants to be the best. And obviously he wanted a legacy as well after his death, and that all comes into it as well. And this sense of legacy as well, I mean, this is something that we should consider while we're standing inside his house, but he had a complicated... The end of his life and what happened after his death was complicated, wasn't it? What happened to the paintings, what happened to his properties? How did this place fare in that whole setup? Well, basically, he had already... Basically, had this place between 1813 and 1826. In 1826, old dad, who spent a lot of time here, he did the gardening... You know, he's doing the shopping. He was walking into central London to open Turner's studio. He was getting a little bit old. And so it was decided to sell up and move back into central London. Old Dad really loved it. He didn't particularly want to go. So it's difficult to talk about the legacy in terms of what was actually here because it actually went to the London house. However, we've tried to recreate it based on the 1851 inventory of what may possibly have been here so he had we know he had you know a lot of mahogany furniture we know he had sorts of very simple ceramics Mm. so we've kind of recreated it based on that inventory and very lovingly as well yeah 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 so it's a a legacy in terms of architecture because uh turner was always interested in architecture architecture fills his paintings and actually when you know towards his death turner said if he could live his life again he would have been an architect. What probably put him off is that he probably thought he could make money from painting a lot more than architecture. But architecture was something that was always really close to him. And to know that he sketched this place, that it came out of his imagination. Absolutely, this was the house yeah. he wanted to be in with his dad, Absolutely. in his sort of country idol. Absolutely. So it's a real glimmer into his life, isn't but it? on a very modest scale as well. He was rich enough by this time to have a much bigger house, but he decided to keep it on a very modest scale. And what the visitor really loves today when they come in here and they say I could live here yeah totally. it's a very manageable scale it is but there, there are aspects of grandeur here you know as you come in through the door and you see the Sonian arches you see the faux marble I know and it's gorgeous and then the ley light flooding that particular staircase it's simple grandeur it's simple, it's simple grandeur, grandeur. So this painting is um, supposed to depict Walton Reach, a uh, stretch of the River Thames. Um, but what's unique about this one is 
We know that Turner is reusing mahogany panels here with these. These are supposed to be sketches. They're not supposed to be big gallery uh, pieces. Um, and he's toying with ideas. He's toying with setups. But this one is larger in scale than the others. And what he's done differently here is instead of preparing the mahogany with a white base, he's working with the raw material. It's an extraordinary insight into Turner's ingenuity. He's taken the wood itself, this mahogany, and used it to create dynamic within this scene. So in points, you can see the actual grain of the wood coming through, but even more so the colour of the wood, the brown. He's used that, that wooden brown colour to highlight the banks, to bring out features off the trees. So there's this incredible sense of circularity. This is a piece of tree <laughs> that's being used to depict other trees. Um, but it really is extraordinary in terms of how the glaze changes in its thickness. So where he's doing water, particularly in the foreground on the right, he's left the paint um, where it's quite translucent. And what that creates is um, an effect of reflection on the surface of the water, a warm, sort of sunsetty type reflection. And then up in the clouds, he's allowed the grain to come through too. And that makes the clouds feel like they're drifting across the panel. It's so clever to use the natural format of these striated grains of wood to move the image across. It's, I've never seen anything like it before. I think this is a truly special piece of art. And it's lesser known, but maybe it should be better known. This, for me, is a real sign of his ingenuity. I am one of the trustees of Turner's House, um, but I've also been the curator of the current exhibition Turner and the Thames Five Paintings. And how exciting to have five of his oil paintings here in his home. What, what inspired you? How did this come about? Well, I think it was the right thing to do. I mean, it's, the, the, Turn, Turner's House is, 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 is fabulous in its own right. Um, as, a, as a buildings conservation project, as um, the only house that Turner designed and lived in. I mean, there's, there's so much going for it as, as, as a build. But of course, people come to Turner's house and they, they really want to see some Turner paintings um, as, uh, you know, in addition to the house. And so there's, I think there's been a long-held ambition to, 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 to mount um, a, a show that would, would include some of Turner's pictures. But this is, look, I mean, this is a d domestic house, um, so it's not, it's not a great big blockbuster exhibition. It, it, it's, it's some paintings by Turner. But, but of course, they're such a good fit here um, because they're, 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 they're by the artist who designed the house. But also, the, the, you know, the, the subject matter of the pictures is so relevant to, to, to the location of the house. Um, the River Thames in its entirety, and particularly the, the, the western reaches of the Thames, um, had great significance for Turner. And in 1805, when he made these pictures, um, he was taking time out, really, from central London. You know, he, he was 30 years old. He was absolutely barraged with commissions. Um, everybody wanted a piece of him. And it had been and that, he, that way for years, really, already by this point. He'd been working non-stop. He just didn't stop, did he, through yeah, his 20s and yeah, up into his 30s? Absolutely, he really didn't stop. Um, but clearly, at that, at that point, he just he just wanted a bit of time away. Um, so he, he rented this place, Cyan uh, Ferry House in Isleworth, uh, which no longer stands, but he, he, he took this house for a year. And it was from there, really, that he embarked on this um, this, this really prolonged campaign of of sketching the Thames and the, the, the western stretches of the river. Um, and within that group of work, he produced these, the, the, these incredible mahogany panels. 
Um, Quite extraordinary that it's on mahogany, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, not only does it bring <clears throat> something aesthetically to the to the look of these paintings, but but why why mahogany? I mean, it's intriguing. Well, it seems that he he probably got the mahogany veneers on which the the, the, the pictures are done um, from recycled bits of furniture. <laughs> So, so, so it was, a, you know, it was because mahogany and it's so, you know, it's expensive. It exactly. was, you know, it was then. Um, but there's, but there's another theory, and that is that um, the summer of 1805 was particularly poor weather-wise, and that, you know, that's documented. Really. Um, so Turner's Turner's intention clearly at the outset was to capture some views of the landscape done in situ. Um, but in order to do that, particularly in colours using oils, um, he needed something to work on that was that, that, that was weatherproof. Um, so he couldn't have done this on canvas during that summer because it, it would have got wet. Um, so he, he 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 very very sort of imaginatively um, did this this group of works on on small panels. But it's quite uh, extraordinary and unusual, isn't it? I mean, this isn't something that's that's commonplace. These are mm. quite unique little works in that respect, well, just the, for the materials. Yes, I mean, they, they certainly are for him. I mean, it, it, they were done at a time when um, British artists, uh, more generally, were actually beginning to experiment with painting out of doors and painting on that sort of scale. But it was never really something for Turner. He was really much more of an intellectual studio-type painter than, 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 than someone like um, you know, his, his famous contemporary Constable, who really went in for that sort of plein air painting more, more, more often than, than, than Turner. Um, but, uh, the, but of course, the, the experience of the Thames, uh, in particular during that year, did go on to inspire a whole range of finished uh, paintings. Um, but... but when he translates these views into 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 finished uh, pictures of the Thames, that they become invested with with, with all sorts of literary and and, 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 and painterly um, embellishments in order to make them more serious as works of art. And and you know Turner, Turner himself probably would would be absolutely baffled um, as to why we're all sort of making such a fuss over these <laughs> the, 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 this group of small sketches which he made in situ because he would never have dreamt of probably even showing those to anybody. But I love that, <clears throat> what you've just said there, Andy, because in a funny way, when you see a finished piece, a piece that's going to be put up the, in front of the Academy, something that's going to be yeah, really um, poured over, it's going to be laden up with symbolism, it's going to be highly worked, each little brush stroke. What's so raw about those is they are his intuitive response to the landscape in front of him. And, and in a way, maybe that's more appealing. I think it, I think it, it certainly makes them more readily accessible than, than many of Turner's uh, Turner's finished pictures, um, which, which which you know which which do rely quite heavily on um, on 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 you know on their content on their on their thematic content in order to, to, to fully understand them. Whereas these, as you say, are you know just very immediate sketches of. The artist's surroundings, so you know, anybody can get that, and it's and it's easy, and it's but but the but the but the really nice thing is that of course the sorts of effects which he's captured in these pictures we see today. You know, you yeah. go walk down to the river, and you can you can see straight away um, what 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 had excited him, and you know what what, what the, you know the, the pictorial potential of the river. Um, it's something which, which did excite him, and, and and you can sort of relive that if you just walk down the river today. And it's it's a such a sort of font of opportunity for him in terms of displaying classical traditions, the Arcadian associations of water and the river, and tying him into that world that is 
class and taste and culture, isn't it? So by citing the river, he's, he's sort of putting himself in that world. I think, there's, yeah, there's no doubt about it. He was obviously fully mindful of all of those associations. Um, and, 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 you know, in particular, um, the, the, the poetry of James Thompson was, 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 you know, was especially significant to him. Um, it, when, when Turner exhibited um, works at the RA, you know, he, he more often quotes uh, Thompson um, in, in relation to those pictures than, than any, other, any other literary source. Um, so, so he was totally mindful of all that. Um, and, 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 uh, and, and really, I suppose it was, it was those associations which made him feel as though he, uh, he actually wanted to, to, to establish a physical base for himself um, in, in, in this part of London. Um, and that's really the, the, the sort of inspiration for his purchase of the plot of land on which Turner's house is, was eventually built. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he bought the land in 1807, which is two years later than, 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 than the sketching trip down the river in 1805. Isn't that exciting, the idea that you know, he spent this, this idyllic bit of time sketching on the Thames and then thinks, actually, I'd quite like to live near here, <laughs> and comes and finds the plot up here. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think there's, a, there's absolutely a direct uh, connection between that year of activity and his decision to, to establish a more permanent base here. Incredible. Do you have a favourite out of the five that are here? Yeah, I do, actually. I mean, you know, boringly, of course, I'm bound to say I love them all, but, but, the, but, the, but the, 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 actually it's the smallest picture in, in, in the group that I, I, I particularly enjoy. And that's, I, I think it's because um, the, 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 the limitations of the scale of that particular panel um, really dictated that, that, that Turner had to be particularly skillful in in capturing the scene which was in front of him and there was this this, this obviously a fleeting sunset which which particularly appealed to him but because of his you know his his technical ability he was able to to, to, to capture that so quickly and convincingly um, and that picture in particular I think is, is actually strikingly modern mm. um, it's a, you know it's a very painterly painting which is uh, you know quite a thing you could definitely see the the brush strokes very mm. clearly but the color palette is mm. is striking as well but I think also it's this idea like you say of being able to do what he does so expressively on a bigger canvas in miniature mm. it's a, it is a mini complete turner isn't mm. it <laughs> yeah no, no definitely and he was you know the other thing about him is he, he was also really uh, imaginative in the way he adapted his material so if you look at some of those uh, those panels upstairs you can actually see where he's actually utilized the grain of the wood exactly to to yeah. to, 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 to to indicate um the, the the movement of the water which is you know it's just a clever little thing that obviously just occurred to him on the spot and, and you can relive those sorts of moments when you look at the paintings it's extraordinary that's my favorite the the where, where you can see the grain working with the water and i think that idea of dynamic but also yeah, we tend to think of the, the life of a 18th, 19th century painter as being quite traditional and fixed and formulaic and, you know, you have to tick boxes for your piece to be accepted. He is experimental and it's a piece like that that makes you realise quite how avant-garde and experimental he was when he can use the material to bring a, a movement and a dynamic to an image um, in such a free way. Yeah, definitely, um, and and he was you know, hugely experimental, not only with materials, but you know, in a compositional uh, sense as well. Um, but nevertheless, it's you know, it is always important to remember that um, many of the Turners that we, we we look at today, particularly the ones from the Turner bequest um, of which the current selection is made, from which the current selection is made, um, you know, the vast majority of those are are are, are private, personal 
exercises done either with with, with a finished work in mind or really just simply for the enjoyment of doing them mm. um, but they certainly weren't intended for an audience so 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 you know t- t- Turner is strikingly modern and, and inventive in those in those works but ultimately when it came to public audience um, he, he he was always going to comply with the expectations of what, of what was acceptable and what wasn't. Yeah, I, but that's what I love about this exhibition, and it, particularly it being here in his home. It is almost like you're peering over his shoulder and just watching him doodle and sketch. It feels yeah, so intimate. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And, and yeah, there's, there's absolutely a, a, a total resonance, of, a, a, I think, of, of experiencing... Turner's paintings within within a building that he himself occupied. Mm. You know, there are very few places where that's possible. I'm Catherine Parry-Wingfield. I was chairman of the Trust from 2013 to 2019 and part of the project team working on the conservation of the house, particularly on the presentation of the interior. Back in 2004, I was standing in a post office queue up the road and... A very familiar figure was standing in front of me. It was Professor Livermore, who had lived here since 1947, when he bought the house in a fairly awful state because it had been used uh, as a shadow factory during World War II. They made uh, airmen's goggles, and they really knocked the place about. And the council wanted to knock it down, but he bought it. Anyway, his wife had died, and there he was. And, he, and he, we got talking, and he said... Um, I want to leave the house to the nation, but the nation doesn't seem to want it. And I suppose you could say that to hundreds of people and they'd say, oh dear, that's a shame. But he'd actually said it to an art historian (laughs) who lived around the corner. Thank goodness. And so, you know, and everyone told me it couldn't be done. So, you know, you'll never do it. You must be mad. You must be mad. Anyway, we got him to set up a trust, which is what he didn't want to do. Mm. But he did set up a trust. And when he died in 2010, he left the house to the trust. A very short time afterwards, uh, the first bit of ceiling fell down. <laughs> Lucky he wasn't but, still in here. <laughs> no, I actually, I, I did think that at the time. Mm-hmm. I thought, thank goodness, you know, you haven't got bits of ceiling dropping on your head. You haven't mm-hmm. got water rising around your feet down in the basement yeah. and so on. So we had a huge challenge, uh, first of all, to find 2.4 million for um, only half of which was actually conservation costs. The rest was staff costs to keep us going and stuff like that um but but we did it we we got we got the money and we uh we had already engaged our excellent conservation architect gary butler who goes about 200 percent more than any conservation architect ever would he's even he we've been shopping together these beautiful chairs and table and so on are things that we bought and you know everything in the house has a good storyline behind it. We have a reason for it being there. We can track it back to to something that Turner owned. Gosh, and, yeah. and in terms of, I mean, it, it's wonderful to think that mm-hmm. yeah, the house was almost crying out. The fact that the mm-hmm. ceiling came down just after that moment, it was yeah. ready. It was ripe for for four other bits of ceiling <laughs> and a few tree roots appearing in the basement. Yeah, <laughs> but, but in terms of the structure, then was it? it was because you had to do some major renovations to the outside of the building too, yes. didn't you? And, and Gary can tell you more um, and more accurately about what the house told us because I could do, as it were, the paper trail, you know, pick up the threads and Turner's not wonderfully generous with information for people like me. I and mean, he, he was a, a fairly private chap and um, good. he enjoyed company. 
And there's, there's a lovely quote by C.R. Leslie, another painter, who said, you know, in, in company, none better. No one enjoyed themselves more. And you can imagine that around a dining table like this. Um, so that, but he chose who he wanted to be friendly with. So, um, but he's not good. He, he's not at this time. He's not keeping diaries for us. His letters are terribly matter of fact. <laughs> You know, um, there's no receipts from the haberdashers. Or <laughs> no, no, nothing. No, no. Of course, one of the wonderful things are the ledgers in the Bank of England, which is our next big story as the £20 note. And the wonderful thing that this country has chosen to put a painter on a banknote, which I think is says very good things about us, don't you? It does. Yes. It really yes. does. It's a wonderful sort of anniversary that will be coming around. We're looking forward to it. But, yes. um, I mean, I think what would surprise the listeners, perhaps, when you think of Turner and the fact he's going to be commemorated on our currency, he is such a big name that I suppose before you come here, you might think he lives in a palace. <laughs> you might think he's so famous, he's so well-known, he's got to be in this extravagant building. This is not. It no. is a... Very cosy yes. domestic property, isn't yes. it? Well, it's, he called it a lodge, a lodge. and that's what it is. It, you know, first of all, Sailor's Lodge, then he... People really don't know whether when he called it Sailor's Lodge, he was doing a Marlena Dietrich, I want to be alone. Um, but, but he changed the name after one year, or, or actually whether he was a bit confused because he's not good at Latin, and it could have been the sun, who knows. Um, but then after a year, it becomes Sandicombe Lodge, and he's using it as his address, you know, in letters and so on. And that relates to the land. It's sandy land. And it's a coombe. It's, as you can see from this window, there's quite a steep slope down because this is where the land starts to fall towards the river. But, so that's where the name's from, sandy ground, and then the coombe is that it coom. goes down to the Absolutely. river. Absolutely. Wow, yes. OK. Because yes. it's obviously the name, the whole road is now sandy mm. coombe. But he did call it a lodge. Uh-huh. So he's not looking to build anything particularly grand. It's, uh, he's going to invite people here. It's not like Reynolds House up on the hill, yeah. where, which William Chambers designed for him, where it's very much status thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Reynolds wants to invite important people there. Here, it's the people he chooses to have com- for company. So it's people like Francis Chantry, the sculptor, uh, John Pye, the engraver, we know came here. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit of coming and going. Um, true friends, though, as opposed friends. to Absolutely. sort of um, trying to kind of entertain the good and the great. Absolutely, so that's not ter- place for But him. Turner was actually quite good friends with a lot of the great and the good. You know, there's Lord Egremont, uh, there's Walter Fawkes up at Farnley. These these are rich and influential people. Mm. So it's not that he's some kind of hick, you know, who can't um, be convivial with people of, of different classes. But it was, I think, you know, the people like other painters, sculptors, architects, those are the people he really liked to be with. Mm. And there's this wonderful business of the Picnic Academical Club who come here. It's the RA's drinking club, basically. Yes. Uh, they get on a boat at Westminster Bridge and they come up here, already hiccuping, I'm guessing, <laughs> and, you know, and then he draws them a map to find their way uh, to come up here 
Oh, that's um, so, wonderful. Yes, and that map's still in the Royal Academy. It's, oh, uh, how yes, lovely. Yes. But, you know, Sir David, when he did his talk to open Turner's House today, yes. he, he said that this is like a time capsule, and I, I feel that very, very strongly, that you could imagine those people, those people who were the... The, art, the, the real artists of their time, the, yes. the, the really celebrated Royal yes. Academicians, in this room, yes. enjoying a little tipple and Absolutely. a hiccup. Yes, yes. <laughs> Having been out on the river. Yes, probably with his dad, you know, yes. bringing up something badly cooked from the basement. <laughs> Dear old William, yes. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so we had a lot of fun and a lot of really hard work, actually, you know, deciding how to present it. But the one thing we did decide very early on was that we would have a reason for every single thing we put in the house mm. and the way that we did things. And, you know, one of the things was the paint analyst finding, well, this colour in this room. Which you would describe quite a lot how of, it's sort of a... Well, it is an early... It's, it, it changes in the light. Doesn't I think in the early 19th century they called it fawn. But I would call it mushroom. Um, and... Interestingly, I, I learnt a short time ago from Helen Dory at, at the Soane Museum that John Soane used this colour in his country houses. So, you know, here's another little bit of the jigsaw, still things, pieces dropping in. There's still things we don't know. And, I'm and sure it's, it's, it's never a good idea too. just to make it up. You know, no, you, it's no. nice to have that, um, that first-hand information. And the wonderful painted marbling on the stairs. I mean, this is not modest. So, you know, in the early days, we thought maybe we'll just whitewash it and put in a few bits of roughish early 19th century. But we did change our minds as things went along, as you do. Yeah. yeah, but I think the thing I love about talking to you about your passion for this project and being an art historian approaching this project is it's about the art, the end product of Turner's career are these famous paintings that we know and love. But this is the human story and, and the almost the spider's web of society and culture that's around this yes. man. And this house yes. brings you to that, doesn't yes. it? And I think one of the other interesting things was this house stood alone. You know, the garden was very big and uh, Richmond Bridge and the river in the distance, about a seven-minute walk, depending how fast you walk. Uh, but on the borders are the edges of these two enormous estates. So it's incredibly peaceful. Um, last night I took a photograph of a full moon just above the roof and I thought, well, that way, that's one way of kind of editing out everything that's happened later in the 19th century when the railways came and the houses started to be built and mm. gradually you can see uh, and we built it up for our, the way we exhibited in, when the house first opened Gary and I put, we put together these maps showing how the land slowly disappears bit by bit uh, nibbles away around the fringes till we've just got this little bit of garden, which in fact becomes very beautiful. Yes. And for the garden, we 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 did cheat a bit there because we wanted it to be beautiful. Mm. And luckily, Mrs. Soane, John Soane's wife, um, at Pittshanger, she made a plant list. Ah. Oh. So our, our our landscape, our our designer for the garden just borrowed from that plant list. Gosh, so we have an authentic um, Turner-esque set of plants. I think <laughs> even the garden, not that, not that we can prove it, but even the garden might have been a little bit more grand than you imagine. Uh -huh. There's evidence possibly for a little spiral mound down at the very bottom of the plot. Um, those were rather fashionable. Yes. And maybe if he climbed up onto this little mound, he could have seen the river from down there. Who knows?
gosh. It's now got someone's kitchen on top of it. So there's there's no way of, of recreating it well, or it finding it. it continues to be a document on the passage yes, of absolutely. time, doesn't it? Yes. My name's Gary Butler, Butler and Hegarty Architects. We're the conservation architects, lead designers of the project. Yes, have you been involved from the beginning then? Yes, with this? absolutely. Um, I started work here with the very first options appraisal, working out what we were going to do um, for the trust right at the very beginning. And when was that? Was that back in 2009, 10? I think it was 10. Uh-huh. It might have been slightly earlier. Um, but it was a long duration, um, <laughs> five or six years, yes. And when you came here, what sort of state was it in? Uh, well, that was an interesting idea. We, we met in the, in the principal sitting room. Um, the, <laughs> they were on one side of the table, the trustees, all three of them, um, and um, they asked me, what, what were you going to do? And I, I had only seen the house very briefly, and it really looked quite shambolic. It had <laughs> big extensions on either side, a, um, a lump on the back here, um, not very unattractive, yeah. um, and very dilapidated, frankly. Um, Bits of bits of stuff growing out of the walls, you know, oh. not not nice, um, and and a real smell of damp. So um, all the things you really want to be dealing with, is, in terms of architecture, isn't it? Very much a conservation architect problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the that was the overriding impression, and of course the question: Well, what are you going to remove the wings and all those sort of things? It was impossible to answer at that point. So I told them that, and um, that was one of the reasons they gave me the job because. I think they, they they wanted to reflect on what to do, and it was quite a tricky set of issues that you you were faced with as a as a conservation project. And in terms of your intention and the trustees' intention, it was to try and get it back to the house as it was when Turner lived here. Was that the uh, sort of brief? Well, that came that that became the brief. Mm-hmm. Um, what became obvious as we sort of. Um, well, did our research really? Was that there was a lot of evidence as to what we thought was the original building, um, and there's the Havel sketch, obviously, which is uh, in the little dirt, uh, sitting room. There's a whole raft of drawings that he made. Um, there was obviously the building and the evidence from the building, and the more you looked at the building, the more that evidence was clear and compelling, which. Of course, when I first arrived, I didn't know, but as I gradually looked at it more and more, it became obvious. So it gradually pieced together as a project. Mm. And then um, the trust clearly wanted to turn it into an attraction of some description. People could come and visit it. So once you've got to that conclusion, it becomes obvious that the thing might be to revert it to Turner's... um, um, particular design and of course the thing that's valuable about it it looked like just an 18th century villa a very ordinary one not very attractive because it was all a bit top heavy it was like hanging over the garden because uh-huh, the wings were, came up a second story didn't absolutely. they so mm. the thing was sort of seen visually top heavy and not very attractive and the bender was a mess so all those things together you sort of start thinking well yes converting it back mm. might be an option but that's quite a radical conservation well, I'm approach. I'm absolutely shocked when I realised that the top stories had come off these mm. wings. I thought that is maverick mm. conservation to just take out sections of the building absolutely. like that. Creative demolition I call <laughs> yeah. it because um, you're left with something else yeah. so that's interesting um, and it really was a creative process. Uh-huh. Um, what have we got? 
But of course, as we started to do the work, you reveal, it reveals other things, like these wings are additions to an original block, right. which is quite extraordinary. You know, everybody assumed that the, the, the 1813s painting was what Turner set out to do, but uh-huh. that wasn't what he did. He built something completely different and then extended it. Gosh, so, what was the time delay between the central <laughs> section and that then? Difficult to say. These are certainly on by 1813. Uh, when Turner's dad lived here and Uh when the rates were first um, played on the building. So, um, and he owned the uh, site from 1807. So he could have built a first phase and a central block, used it very sparsely because it wasn't of the same format and then added the wings because he needed more space mm. so it you know it, it is an evolution funny enough and you wouldn't have known that until we started the work no so this I, is a, it's like it's issue. grown on this into this plot isn't it and, and also his i love this idea of sewn sort of tapping him on the shoulder and going you're going to need a bit more space and you're going to need some <laughs> wings on that big block in the middle uh, but it's it does feel like it's grown here doesn't yeah. it well, well whether Soane did that or not of course <laughs> I mean, it, it, they would have inevitably talked about it they were friends you know were close friends and and Soane's one of our best architects so you can only imagine that there was a conversation that went on about I'm building it. a house. What do you think I should yeah. do? <laughs> given that you've done the Bank of England. Yeah, given <laughs> that you're busily doing several things. And they were, you know, Huge. they were... And, well, and he was also doing taste, lots... Hadn't he, well, I well, I suppose he was also doing lots of small projects. Yeah. I mean, so he did a whole raft of houses of different scales and sizes. And so, no doubt, that discussion happened. Um in some way. There's no record of any of this. Mm. There's no drawings. We've been through all the archives. Mm. There's nothing that we can nail it. But what but I do like is that there are sketches by Turner. So this is yes, exciting, isn't it? Because true. I think it was Sir David said in his speech that um, this is an artwork in itself. This is a Turner yes, artwork. Is. This is yes. something he has made and sketched yep. and conceived of and had built. Yeah, there was something like 52 sketches by Turner of the house um, attributed to the, to the house by the, um, by the tape. But I mean that's interesting because once you know what I now know about the house you look at those sketches again you think oh yeah he's he's obviously in that sketch working out how to extend the building because when of course they're always presented as these are his sketches for the design of the building but if he didn't build it as one piece Mm. he must have been sketching how to extend the original block and the more you look at it the more he draws this wing for example on its own against the block so really interesting how how it, how those sketches get reinterpreted yeah. as a result of the information we now have and i have written a bit about that but it's really um quite a fascinating um change of um perspective on 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 even his his work you know but i love this idea almost as if it's a um an archaeological dig that you were going into (laughs) that you've sort of pared back the layers of paint and wallpaper you've pared back the interiors you've taken bits off you've taken the render off and we're left back in time (laughs) we stepped back in time to how it was in turner's time yes almost and of course the most important thing is that that it's turner's it's because it's uh, a building designed by Turner that makes it highly significant. Yeah. So you're working with what is the most significant element of the fabric of this building. You know, the later stuff, although perhaps relatively interesting, wouldn't in itself have got its two-star billing mm. or, or wouldn't be the thing that people come here to look at. Mm. So that's an inter- that, that's how the con- that's one of the reasons the conservation approaches are 
more radical than, than repairing as found, I suppose, which is a, the typical stance to take on a building like like this or, or most buildings this is unusual in that sense it, it, got, it is it's, it's radical it's a, you know it is quite yes. radical conservation because you are not preserving ne- necessarily the later layers in that in that way because you're getting back to its core to its original intent uh, you know, yeah, design. what you're not doing is is only getting obsessed with fabric you're mm. getting obsessed with architectural intention that's a different thing and so the spatiality of the building becomes more important than the physical fabric of the building and so one of the things I delight in every time I come is that you come in and this sort of slightly raised view through the main sitting room of the garden and you realise that that is about landscape and the other thing that really um, it tracks me is that this is almost entirely looking sort of northeast. So the, the sky is always lit, and you're thinking, well, this is a, this is a painter working with architecture to make something extraordinary. So there are some real, real extraordinary things that get exposed as a result of not being so focused on fabric in the conservation, but focusing on the architectural ideas of the building. So and I also, we're talking about the, we're talking about the painter of light. Yes. And this is a space that he has designed to be flooded with light. <laughs> this idea that he's in this space and he's he's working out the direction so he gets the sunlight. I think that's incredible. How else do you understand him if you can't stand where he stood and well, experience and, it? And what he does is it focuses you on that on that particular issue, doesn't it? Because the staircase with its little oh, yeah. um, little golden emblem that moves round and all those things about light in the interior and the fact you're looking out through the windows on the north east side it, rather than there is one room with a self aspect but it's, it's really played down in the house it doesn't put anything on the west side so right. he's not he's, there's a certain light he's interested in all of that comes over once you strip it back and expose other things which is I suppose what conservation should be about but it's a very I suppose it's a very brave man that moves away, away from the security of um, conserving fabric because we all know what that is. It's substance, isn't it? Mm. Well, we don't know what architectural ideas are. We're not very good at discussing them or, or seeing them sometimes. Yeah, but, but I, I love this idea as well that, you know, light moves yeah. and as light moves through these rooms, as it moves, it, it, it will create atmospheres that, that I'm no doubt he would have thought about when he was building this house. Well, well, well it's quite likely he did, or at least he was suitably impressed himself when he did it. You know, a lot of architecture is coincidental sometimes. You know, mm. you do things as an architect and things align or they... they they give you another reading that you didn't expect mm. and there was probably some of that most architects have that in their creative palette as it were um, but you set up the thing and then it, it, it does quite extraordinary things for you And yeah. I this think doesn't feel like an that. accidental place this feels like no. something conceived in the mind of somebody who's been working alongside architects his whole yeah. time in the academy Absolutely. you know thinking mm. of architecture as a form of art mm. of the arts yes. and, and it is a fully conceived beautiful building isn't it Yes, in miniature. In miniature. <laughs> like and, and, and also not quite what you see, because he conceived of one piece and then he extended it and then he did other things, you know, so it, it is interesting, isn't Mr. It? Experiment, that's yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely experimental and, and um, more 
but better because of it, really, yeah. and more interesting because of it. That's why he's left his legacy, I suppose, because of the way he pushed against against the conventions and created such beautiful products. Yeah, I think you'd only, you only really get it when you've been to the house. Yeah. I can take endless photographs for you and I can send you images and we can do a film from it, but it wouldn't give you the same feeling as being in the house. And and one of the, the you asked me as we were walking down the hall, were you, were you involved for quite a long time? Yes, I was involved for quite a long time. I spent quite a lot of time here looking at the building before we decided what to do. And I think that's absolutely key to the project as well, or at least the restoration part of the project, because you, you, know, you get a sense of this, yeah. um, of this sort of mind working through the thing. You must feel so proud 10 years down the line with these paintings installed in this house, with it looking like this, with Sir David Attenborough opening it <laughs> to the public. Does it feel like a special day today? Well, it, I mean, you know, I'm a working architect, so other projects have intervened <laughs> since then, and I'm probably worrying about those. But no, it, it, is, it is important that other people understand it. And where I feel proud is that, well, it seems to reveal for other people something of Turner's work, and I'm very pleased to have been involved in doing that. Um, and only my small part, but it was an a part and it was part of now the story of Turner's house. To be in Turner's home and to see these artworks for the first time it's just been magical. I feel like I've been in a time capsule, like I've gone back in time and what a place to be able to stare over the shoulder of one of our greatest painters. Oh, in another life, I'd be a painter. <laughs> oh, gosh, much more fun. <laughs> Brilliant. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 